John 1.14 says, The Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Our prayer is that you might see God's love and faithfulness as you listen to our Sunday morning message here at First Methodist Bryan. Our scripture reading for today comes from the book of James, chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. Hear the word of the Lord. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, and so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have, because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he is jealous and longs for our spirit he has caused to dwell within us? But he gives us more grace. That's why the Scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hand, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. O Lord, your word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. Today, my prayer is that we would not be hearers of the word only, but those who do. So as your Holy Spirit speaks through hearts today, grant us wisdom and courage as we sang earlier, that we might apply this to our life in order to please you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Let the church say amen. What is prayer? Can you describe prayer? One person said prayer is the greatest wireless connection in the world. That's a great way to describe prayer. Did you hear about the pastor that was preaching when he heard the distinct ringtone of a cell phone go off in the congregation? And so thinking on his feet, the pastor looked at the guy and said, if that ain't Jesus calling, don't answer. I would add that if Jesus ever calls you on a cell phone, would you call me and let me know? And if Jesus ever calls you, do not do to him what sometimes I've had happen to me. It's one of my pet peeves. And people say, oh, I got another call. Can I put you on hold while I take this other call? No, you cannot. And do you guys think that we might do that to God? The truth is, we put Jesus on hold when we're too busy to pray. Friends, we're too busy not to pray. What is prayer? Can you define it? Billy Graham gave this definition. 
Prayer is spiritual communication between man and God, a two-way relationship in which man should not only talk to God, but listen to him. It's like a child's conversation with his father. It's natural for a child to ask his father for the things he needs. Amen. There's no doubt when we examine ourselves, as the scripture tells us we should do to examine ourselves, we become aware that one of our sins is prayerlessness. Prayerlessness is why so many believers fall into temptation. Prayerlessness is why so many people fall away from the faith. Prayerlessness is why so many people are weak in their walk. Jesus calls you to a life of prayer. You're his disciples. He's calling you to pray. When the original 12 disciples saw how Jesus lived his life, one day they interrupted him. They were walking with him and talking with him, as we just sang about in the garden. And they said, Lord, teach us to pray. We see you pray. We want to pray like you. How do you do it? And so Jesus gave them what we know as the Lord's Prayer. You can find it in Luke 11 and you can find it again in Matthew 6. It's a little different in each place. The Lord's Prayer, not intended to be prayed just by rote memory. I believe, and most scholars believe, that like most rabbis of his day, Jesus gave them a template to pray, an outline. This is how. You use this as sort of your outline to prayer. Pastor Jeremy and I are preaching a series on the Lord's Prayer. I hope you'll go to YouTube and to the church website and listen to his sermons, really, really good sermons on prayer. He and I, two different people have two different ways to look at it, so I thought it would be good that we do it together. Here's why. He and I share the same heart. We want to see a church that's a church of prayer. We want to see revival of prayer. We believe strongly that you, those who follow Jesus, need to pray every day. So we're using a template, an easy acronym given to us by Navigators Ministry and by a man by the name of Pete Craig. And Pete Craig help, helps with the 24-7 prayer ministry. And you'll see this template, this little wheel up there. The acronym is PRAY, P-R-A-Y, and so far, I've preached a couple of sermons, so here's what we should already know This from the acronym PRAY. First, prayer is communicating, talking and listening. It's not just talking, not just listening. So I've said this many times. When you pray, keep it real. God knows when you're faking it. You can't really fake it. Keep it real. Keep it simple. Keep it up. I know one of the things that happens when you begin to pray is you miss a couple of days and you think, oh, I'll get to it later. No, keep it up. Keep it simple. Keep it real. The Bible says we're to pray without ceasing, but we should also follow the example of Jesus. He set aside a place and a time to pray. He paused. That's what the P stands for. Pausing to pray is, creates this prelude of entering into his presence. And when you enter into his presence, you then have this R, rejoicing, which is praising and giving him thanks. Rejoicing. 
The Bible says our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we are a living sanctuary. And that makes us a house of prayer. Jesus said about the temple in Jerusalem, my house will be called a house of prayer. You are now his house. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, you should be a place of prayer. And so we begin prayer with rejoicing. We get to call him Father. What a privilege. That's a radical idea when Jesus taught them that they, like children, could call him Father. Because we are adopted children of God, we have the right as his children to call him our Father. And when we do, we begin to hallow, which means to revere and exalt his name. So when I'm praying and I come to that place where I say, Our Father, I immediately just began to think of all the names of God. And if there's one particular that day that's especially meaningful to me, I just give him praise for that. Sometimes I start singing, and that's a good time to sing praise because nobody can hear me. That's a really good time to do it. I'm kidding. You can laugh at my expense. I know God is probably laughing when I sing, especially when I hear Chris sing. Thankfully, all that matters is you give him your praise. You exalt him. You thank him. That's what the R for rejoicing stands for. Today we're going to move into the A, and I'm going to dwell there for several weeks. You know the Lord's Prayer, you know there are three clauses that are asked. You know those clauses. Give us this day, forgive us, and then later, lead us. We're going to get to those. But before you get to the time of asking those particular things, there's something else that Jesus taught us we should be asking. And it's the very next clause of the prayer. Jesus said, pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. What are we praying here? To me, this is a time to discern and pray about the will of God, about things in my life that I need answers to. It's a time for me to bring to the Lord some of my problems and say, Lord, what is your will? What is your will? I need to know it. How important is it to know and to do the will of God? Very. Amen. Well, how do you do it? Well, you pray. You know his word. But when you apply his word, there are many things in your life when you just don't know what you should do. But here's what you know. When you enter in time of prayer, you begin with praise and thanksgiving, which is rejoicing. Then you begin to pray about God's kingdom and God's will. Listen, our Father delights in giving his children the desires of their heart. But before you get to this part of asking about that, before you do that, the Lord wants us to spend time about discerning what his will is. It's as if Jesus is really serious when Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all the other things will be added to you. 
You can ask about all those other things, but first seek all of His kingdom blessings in your life and seek His will. So I want to break this down. When I pray, I'm thinking about the kingdom of God in certain specific ways. Broadly speaking, I know that the kingdom of God is the rule of the eternal sovereign God over all the universe. But narrowly speaking, personally to me, the kingdom of God is a spiritual rule over the hearts and lives of those who willingly submit to the Lord. Here's a plain verse about this very thing. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth are yours. Yours, Lord, is the what? Kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. So the first thing I do after I praise him is I acknowledge that he is sovereign over everything. He's king of the world. He's king of my life. And when I think of the kingdom, I could give you a sermon just on that. Think of mainly two things. One, the king rule of Jesus on earth as in heaven and in me. What's the number one thing Jesus did after he rose from the dead? For 40 days, he spent time with his disciples. Do you know what he did? We know it tells us, Acts 1-3, it says, After his suffering, Jesus presented himself to them, the disciples. He gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. And he spoke about what? The kingdom of God. How important is the kingdom of God? Very. Jesus taught them about the kingdom. When you are born again, which is defined right after that, it's amazing to me people don't know the definition of born again. Right after that, it says born of the Spirit. That means the Holy Spirit is now in you when you've received Christ. When you're born again, you're born into the kingdom of God. And as part of the kingdom, you have certain blessings. As a teenager, I memorized lots of scripture because I was a new Christian. I didn't grow up in the church. As a new Christian, I was hungry for the word. I took my Bible. I highlighted scripture. Not only Matthew 6, 33, but Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy. When I'm praying for the kingdom of God, I'm praying for those things. For righteousness, for peace, for joy. When we pray, your kingdom come, we're also praying for people who need to come into the kingdom. Do you have a list of people that you're praying for who don't know Jesus, who need to be born again? Do you have a list? Because this is the time when you're praying about things about the kingdom for you to pray for the salvation of other people. I have a list. Pray for people. Pray for your kids, your grandkids. Pray for your friends, your classmates. Students, pray for your teachers. Teachers, pray for your students in a lot of ways. But pray that they would know Christ. This is a time for us to be praying about the most important thing that will ever happen to a person, that they come to know Christ as Savior. Amen? Pray for that. Pray for that. And because we're praying for the kingdom and we know one day Jesus is coming again as King, Pray the last prayer of the Bible. You should know what I've said it many times. It's Maranatha. Lord, come. I pray for that day. Hope it's today. I wish it had been Wednesday 
as I went to the dentist Thursday for two and a half hours. That was a painful day. If he would have come Wednesday, glory. He's coming again one day. Jesus said, when you pray, pray thy kingdom come. So pray about things that really matter about the kingdom. Pray for people to come to salvation, to enter the kingdom. Pray for you to have the kingdom blessings of righteousness, peace, and joy. Pray for those things. Pray for his coming again. And then Jesus said, pray my will be done on earth. Let's say it this way. My will be done in your life. You're part of the earth. How do you know what God's will is? To me, this is the time to discern what the will of God is. Our job in prayer is to seek the will of God. Now listen, his word reveals his will. His word reveals his will. Would you say that? His word reveals his will. It certainly reveals his moral will. You never need to pray, Lord, should I commit adultery this week or not? We know what his moral will is. It's clear in Scripture. You also don't need to pray, Lord, am I a male or a female? It's clear what God's will is. It's settled. It doesn't, it's not up for debate. God has a moral will. You know it by knowing his word. You're going to be praying later in the prayer when you're tempted. Right now, you're praying to discern God's will. You're praying to live it out. And Micah, chapter 6, verse 8, reminds us. Because we live in a community. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. How do you pray to discern God's will? Jesus gave us that example. You remember when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus was praying about whether or not to go to the cross and take this cup of God's wrath, the cup of God's wrath because of our sin. And Jesus was struggling with that, knowing that was the will of the Father. He didn't want to do it. He kept praying and finally he said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. But not my will, your will be done. It's important that you spend time in your prayer life praying to discern God's will. Let me give you an example. Some of you know my personal story where Karen and I were given the responsibility to raise our grandson, Jacob. That involved going to court at a certain point once we moved here in order to fight to be able to to do that. So we were in a trial. It was something I don't wish on anybody. Five days spread out over two weeks. It was painful. Things were said that were not true. I wanted to defend myself. I wanted to defend Karen. And I wanted to get up on the stand again because I had the right to. And it came that point in the trial to do that. And I went down the hall to a room and I prayed. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? I don't know what to do. And the Lord spoke to my heart. And he said to me, Rick, this judge, is he's already made his decision. It's not going to do any good for you to get up on the stand except 
you might feel better that you can defend yourself. But you're wiser to tell your attorneys, rest the case. So my attorneys, who both tried to talk me out of it, wanted me to get up, and I said, no, trust the Lord. Y'all know the rest of the story that we won. How do you discern God's will? How do you do that? Unless you pray, unless you know the word of God, and unless you're truly in tune with the Holy Spirit who's trying to help you. I'm sorry, my voice is fading. So Cameron, I'm skipping. Okay. We're called to pray God's will. God's promises are things you can stand on, but you need to know them. You need to pray the word of God. How can you pray the word of God if you don't know the word of God? 1 John 5 says, This is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, what does that mean? Well, according to his character, according to what he desires, he hears us. You can stand on that promise. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says that we are to rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Why? This is God's will. So when you're praying, do that. Rejoice, give thanks. And then it says, trust the Lord. One of my great promises I stand on. I think Joe Fort knows this, but Reverend Joe Fort was the district superintendent here when I got a call from my district superintendent where I was serving who offered me this appointment. I turned it down that night and my district superintendent said, you're crazy. It's the best appointment in the conference. Nobody's going to understand why you turned it down. But I turned it down knowing I was probably going to get sued if I came. So, I had a fitful night's sleep. Anybody ever had a fitful night's sleep? I woke up in the morning. I went to the back porch to pray because it wasn't 107 degrees. And it was January. And this Bible verse came to me. And the Lord spoke and said, trust in me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not to your own understanding. So I called my DS up. I said, okay, the Lord's changed my heart. I want to go. He said, good, get in the car, drive down to Brian today. You got a meeting at seven o'clock. And Joe met me there and introduced me to leaders here. You have to know the word of God so that when you pray, the Holy Spirit can speak to you about these issues. Listen, the greatest power in your life It's the power of prayer. It's humbling yourself before the Lord. Being in his presence and fellowshipping with him in his spirit. Over the last several Sundays, I've asked all of you that have come one question. Will you set aside 
a time and a place to pray every day like Jesus. You're his disciples. I'm asking you to do what Jesus taught us to do. I was reminded this week of a book my brother gave me. I treasure this book. Y'all know my brother died a couple years ago of a brain tumor. But he gave me a book, Jokes for Pastors. It was really, should have been titled Jokes About Pastors. Is what it should have been. But So there's a story in there. It's really not that funny, but it's very powerful. Story about a student preacher who's assigned to a church. And they welcome him. He preaches his first sermon. It's pretty good. He tells people basically, listen, the Lord's called you to evangelism. Go tell your neighbor about Jesus and bring them to church. Next Sunday, he comes back. He preaches the exact same sermon. And the people are very nice. He's a student pastor. They say, okay. Third Sunday, he comes back. He preaches the same exact sermon. They call a meeting of the SPRC immediately. They bring him in and say, don't you have another sermon? Is this the only thing you can preach? And he says, you haven't done anything about the first sermon I preached yet. When you do, I'll preach another sermon. Have you set aside a time and a place to pray? I'm going to keep preaching the same message because I really believe with all my heart that there's not anything more important in your life than your prayer and worship time with God, your personal time. You need that time. Jesus did it. You need that time. You're too busy not to pray. I wonder today, if you haven't already done it, would you make a commitment to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going to do it. I'm going to set aside a time and make a place. No matter how busy I am. And I'm going to pray. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the privilege of prayer. We get to talk to you and listen. I pray, Lord, for my brothers and sisters that they would make a commitment every day to pray. That they would find a place to be alone and pray. That they would learn how to pray using the Lord's prayer as a pattern. And that you would bring revival to our church. A revival of prayer. One that will be evident. So that we can see your hand at work. And we give you the glory for it. Father, we invite you to come into our church through the Holy Spirit and create a revival of prayer. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Let God's people say amen. Thank you for listening with us. We hope that you have encountered the risen Jesus today. If you want to hear more, please consider subscribing. 
we would also welcome you to join us in person. For more information, please visit us at fmcbryan.org.